no, no, no. You know, people didn't want to sit next to my little sister at Marine World and um, uh, a park where, you know, you see marine life. And my mom was like, you guys have to understand her experience is different because of her skin tone. Because my mother and my father are brown, like a medium tone color. Um, I came out much lighter. My baby sister came out much darker than them. And so um, my mother wanted to make sure I understood that she was going to have a different experience based on the color of her skin. And we had to be aware of that and look out for her throughout our life. So it was very early. I remember going on road trips with my parents and, you know, that deep exhale that happens for a child when you see someone maybe Hispanic or Latino. Oh, okay, we'll be okay at this restaurant. Um, oh, okay, well, we don't want to stop in this state, right? Like, we'll drive through this one and being very cognizant of that. Like, people talk about road trips. I am not okay with that. Um, I know, you know, everybody do what you want and do what you love and live your life. But I'm not going cross country. Uh, no. Well, what do you think right now about what's going on in the country overall around race and the messages that we're getting? Well, you can't um, you can't hide something forever. So it's going to show up and it's showing up in a big way. Um, I think the what I've heard is people saying, well, um, it's the blowback from Obama. Well, it was there already. Um, all of us who are living in these experiences and conscious of it understand that that it's a it's a really ugly truth that nobody wants to talk about. The other thing is this notion of um, sweep it under the rug as if uh, the institution of Jim Crow and slavery didn't exist, and that was so long ago. It wasn't that long ago. My great grandmother. My great-great-grandmother was first-generation, born free. My mother knew her. My sisters, you know, were babies when she was alive. That's not that far removed, which means the coping skills that she learned were passed on to my great-grandmother, who was alive until I was in high school. Oh, wow. So, so you knew her? Oh, yeah. Wow. Oh, yes. My junior year of high school, she passed away, and she was living with us at the time. So those coping skills that they learned, they passed along. So I have to now be responsible for unlearning some of that stuff that was for survival, because now I'm supposed to have a different opportunity. What were some of those things? Um... Well, you know, I have a deep sense of work ethic, and, and and that's good. But I also feel like if I don't work, I'm gonna die. Yeah. Like, uh, like I work to the point where my head will keep going, but my body really shouldn't. And so I'm trying to break that cycle, and where it doesn't feel like so intense around. This is linked to me being safe, rather than just having the lifestyle that I I want to enjoy and I've earned based on my credentials and the other things that I've worked so hard for. Does that answer your question? So when you say being safe, do you mean, say more about that in terms of race. Yeah, so the work of um, Joy DeGruy around post-traumatic slave syndrome talks a lot about those, um, I won't be as eloquent as she is, but basically they're learned behaviors that we pass down for survival's sake. So if it wasn't okay to say something, right, you can't talk back, God forbid that, because there could be the punishment of death. Um, people were raped. Um, it was just part of the culture. Like that was the norm, even though I'm not saying it was accepted because 
Of course, there was much more revolt than Nat Turner. If not, we wouldn't be here today. So there's always been resistance. But I do know that there are people who had to survive through those times, and there were coping skills like um, not talking back, making white people feel comfortable. The one thing I learned, I was reading uh, Ta-Nehisi Coates. Oh, I can't remember the name of the book right now, but the one he wrote kind of like a, a letter to his son. Yeah. I was reading the book. I was on vacation, and I had no idea. What came up for me was... I really know how to take care of white women. Like, I can do that really well in a way that makes me safe. I mean, now, in a I'm, way of making them comfortable. Yes. In a way of making them comfortable with you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's a, something I'm, I'm also letting go of. Because I have to find myself in all of that. Like, there's all this stuff on top of who I am that was put on for survival or even just to navigate successfully in certain environments. We hear the term code switching a lot. And we, I was with an executive, and he didn't even know what the term meant. And he worked in um, high school education reform. He was a white guy? It was, yes. Well, I can see why he wouldn't know mm-hmm. that term. Because I run into a lot of people that, that don't know that term. Because, first of all, you have to be interested. Mm-hmm. You have to be interested. You want to know what other people go through. And if you're not interested, you're not going to know. A lot of times people say, well, you know, I I hear a lot of my friends say, well, white people should know. Oh, by now they should know. And I said, you know, there's a should and an is. Mm. And you can't make an assumption that people are interested. You can't make an assumption that if there's an article about black people, that people are going to read it. Because a lot of white people, and not only white people, you know, so I'm not disparaging any particular mm-hmm. group. But I'm saying this is like a little more common, and that other people, if if it's if it's not related to my group, I'm not going to be bothered with it. And then when they do something like, oh my God, I didn't know. Well, you didn't care either. Mm-hmm. You know, it wasn't it wasn't it wasn't in your reality. And um, I mean, the reality is, if we're in this country and we care, we need to make things in our reality so you started your business and you started black girl pro- black woman project like female project a young girl what is black girls code that's some that's mm-hmm. another program kimberly bright mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> so could you talk a little bit about that program and some of the messages that you're trying to impart around not feeling like you have to take care of people who are different than you, but so that you can actually be yourself. Sure. So I found myself kind of whispering in at happy hours in the corner about what was going on at work. And we'd get together, me and, and I'd do it with various groups of girlfriends. Hey, you know, what herbs are you taking to manage your stress? You know, and everything revolved around stress at work. And then I started hearing um, things like, well, I can't say that, you know, like feeling censored, like I couldn't talk about what was true. So for me, Black Female Project, number one is about truth telling and affirmation. I need to be able to tell the truth about my experience and really about what I've observed in the workplace, because when I can tell the truth, then I can heal from it. And then I can have a sense of uh, liberation from those thoughts and behaviors that had been holding me back from even saying or telling the truth in the first place. So an example would be 
I can't tell my boss how I really feel and what just happened in that meeting because I might lose my job. They'll write me off as the angry black woman. Um, they don't like me when I talk anyway. They don't respect female leadership. So I'm navigating all the time. And this was the pressure that I kept feeling and thinking, wait, if my parents, right, in Berkeley, California, educators, I'm creative, uh, kept us around lots of, you know, was, I wouldn't say super Afro Afrocentric, but certainly African conscious in terms of black is great. Like black is beautiful. It was the seventies. Everybody was feeling really good about making a shift. And then to get into a, a certain level in my professional realm and not be able to, well, I had been trained along the way, of course, right? What my place was. So when I started feeling like my body started to reject what was going on, because I was trying to be honest and um, navigate with integrity and all these strategies were used against me. And there are certain strategies people have experiences. I don't want to be too vague. So well, yeah, yeah, yeah. What I was going to ask if you could be, if you could, without mentioning, you probably don't want to mention who the organization uh, was. No, I won't. But if you could just. Tell, because I know there's a lot of people listening that probably can relate. Well, here's and there's a, a lot of people listening who want to know. So any, tell us, give us a couple of examples. Sure. Um, you're not meeting expectations. Um, you're, you, you're not meeting expectations. You oversold yourself in the interview. <laughs> you really aren't doing this right. Well, what exactly are you looking for? Well, um, you should know that already. Well, there, there are certain terms, I guess they're kind of like, um, codes too, that this, they, what happens is, so I start in this situation, I was told, Hey, you know, like what, what are you, what are you bringing to the table? Well, you interviewed me, you hired me. We're about six weeks in. What exactly are you talking about? Like, what do you need to see right now? Well, you're not really, you know, what are you bringing to the table? What have you accomplished? So I start sharing, you know, things in the plans moving forward. But what happened was there were never any expectations established that connected to an organizational strategy. So as I begin to start throwing darts at your moving target that every time you tell me now I'm feeling unsettled. So now I'm feeling and questioning my own ability to be successful because you're questioning my ability to be successful and then add on the layer of in meetings, no one has the same cultural expression that I do because of course I was brought the only in black woman brought in to diversify the organization. Didn't know that at the time mm. would have preferred for me to be a nice token and not try to do any work really just kind of do what we say and be quiet over there. Cause our board and community said we had to diversify since we serve kids of color across the state, you know, maybe somebody should, who looks like that should be on the executive, well in the director level. So, um, what happened is the isolation I felt because I was working so hard to try and please. Then I started self isolating from family and friends because it, the work was so intense. And that's a pattern that we've noticed in black female project is number one, people being told they can't, they're not meeting expectations, being organized out either by there's no more funding or, Hey, we had a really creative one woman. She said, I was pushed out. They moved me into a fellowship like because I was too vocal. Um, very creative ways of not having to deal with something that's different than what you're used to. And the fact that this, it may sound rudimentary, but it is, I don't see you as successful. Therefore, in my mind, even though you are doing things that would lead anyone else doing what you're doing would be considered a peer. For some reason, you just, just doesn't, it's not right. There's something about you. Hello there. 
Welcome to another edition of Mutiny, oh, well, Sounds from the Street on Mutiny Radio. And Albert is joining me in the studio, finally. How does it feel? It feels great. <laughs> <laughs> and I almost was like, I'm doing a show, and I just have to get into that way of thinking again. Definitely has a way of thinking about it. I'm wondering where that humming is coming from. Let's see. I'll just deal with that for now. And anyways, we have some music news for you. Um, As you guys are already aware, Keith Flint, the lead singer of The Prodigy, passed away last week, unfortunately. And um, a lot of people came out with their condolences and their uh, past stories of, you know, their interactions with him and knew a lot about him. So let's see what people had to say. Um, somebody named James Raspoli said he was such a big megastar, but at the same time, he wouldn't act like it. And yeah, he was much loved by the motorcycle community. I did see on his Facebook page, he did have an array of motorcycles for sale. <laughs> when I was trying to find out, oh, like, what is he, you know, what was life like for him in the recent past? Sometimes you would look on social media for that information. Uh, members of the motorcycle world are remembering Keith Flint in the wake, wake of the sad news that the dance icon and frontman of the prodigy has died. Flint was found dead at his home in Essex last week on March 4th. It is with deepest shock and sadness that we can confirm the death of our brother and best friend, uh, said the prodigy's Liam Howlett and Maxim Reality in a statement. A true pioneer, innovator, and legend. He will be forever missed. We thank you for respecting the privacy of of all concerned at this time. In an Instagram post, Hallett added, the news is true. I can't believe I'm saying this, but our brother Keith took his own life over the weekend. I'm shell-shocked, fucking angry, confused, and heartbroken. Triggering a huge outpouring of emotion within the music industry, Flint's death garnered just as big a response from the motorcycling world. Flint was a bike fanatic, so much so that when his own dreams of racing failed to materialize, he started his own team. Oh, good for him. Founded in 2014, Team Traction Control began competing in the British Supersport Championship and quickly expanded to the roads of the Isle of Man, TT, and Northwest 200, among others. There's no other way to say it. Keith is the coolest man on earth. James Raspoli, who rode for Flint's TTC outfit in 2014 and 2015, told The Independent, he showed me how to be a showman and he taught me how to be humble. At the UK, he was such a big megastar, but at the same time, he wouldn't act like it. Like every day, if there was a fan anywhere, he would never be in a rush because he would see them all. He'd be there way after things had finished because he was the type of guy that if you asked him for the shirt off his back, he'd give it to you. It was kind of a crazy meeting, said American writer Rispoli. Uh, the first time uh, they met Flint at the 24 Heroes Moto at Le Mans six years ago. I wouldn't say fate or destiny or something, but it was pretty much within the day. Keith had brought me a ticket to fly back to Britain to do a one-off race at Brands Hatch, and we got talking about doing the following season together. And that was kind of it. There was no negotiation. It was just a chat on the side of the track, and he was like, hey, this is what I'm trying to do. Would you be interested? And I said, yeah. The crazy thing is, it didn't really hit me who he was until I was flying home, and I saw the Prodigy album with the crab on it. The fat of the land. The really cool one. And I was like, no freaking way. I just wrapped out with him. Who is this guy? 
it was crazy because at that time I didn't have a ride in the U.S. and I went over to Le Mans to just have fun. It wasn't fate or destiny, but it was that easy. There was no me trying to anything. We just met and made a deal. Explaining how Flint helped him in a big way when he first came to the UK, I came over with two bags. I didn't have any family or anything with me. It was just me, but he got behind me and made sure I had everything I needed. Remembering his first podium with team traction control, Rispoli recalled Flint's reaction. I remember Keith was up there and that outpouring of emotion. It felt like there was a thousand people standing there and that memory right there. I can still feel that. That was pretty special. It was so special because we put so much into it. He put so much time into it. Obviously, I did too, and we did it. Those who knew Flynn or interacted with him in the days leading up to his death have begun to speak out, remembering him as positive and proud and the life and soul of his Essex pub. But according to Rispoli, Flint's impact reached further than the music community and his local pub. I don't think because he was so humble that he realized how many people he touched, Rispoli explained. When the outpouring of tributes came out, you had these high-level people from presidents of Rye? and stuff like that. He's left a massive imprint on motorsport, and it's kind of crazy because everyone knows Keith Flint of The Prodigy, but not everyone knows the real him. For me, whenever I was around Keith, it was a buzz, and that was the word, buzzing. (laughs) We were always buzzing. There was never a downside, really. Of course, people have bad days, but I never saw that side. There was such positivity and energy and passion. Keith was like a best friend, and around me, he was always so positive and everything, and that's how I remember him, and that's how I think everyone remembers him. It's a sad, tragic story, but I don't think people will look at that side. I think he touched so many people in so many ways. He carried something special, whatever it was. I don't know what it was, but he was that showman and he taught me a lot and gave me so much. He pretty much gave me everything over there. Oh, that's so sad. (sighs) Sometimes, you know, you go through things in life and maybe it's good just to realize that you're not always going to be able to handle everything and just take a step back and, you know, maybe seek some, talk to a therapist or I don't know, just like take time for yourself if you have to. That's something, you know, I've had to come to terms with, but I know that doesn't work for everyone. I know that, you know, last year we had to, we had to, um, you know, see the deaths of Anthony Bourdain and, um, people like Kate Spade who have just, you know, they're like American institutions. And now that we don't have them around, it's like now we're more aware of, you know, mental health is a crisis. And it's almost like gun control, like how, how much more death and how much more uh, massacres do we have to see on the news to take it more seriously? But I think that uh, because we have elected, you know, certain certain members to Congress that maybe change is finally starting to come into fruition. But that's just me. And see another sad story. <laughs> uh, this is I don't know. Let's see. Nick Cave says his Manchester gig following the 2017 terror attacks was the most emotional concert of his career. Uh, The musician played in Manchester four months after 22 people died after a bomb was detonated at an Ariana Grande concert. I remember that. 
Uh, Nick Cave has spoken out about his Manchester Arena gig. The show was just four months after the terror attack at an Ariana Grande concert at the same venue on May 22nd, 2017. 22 people were killed and a further 59 injured after suicide bomber Salman Abedi detonated a device in the foyer of the venue. Victims included young children who had attended Grande's show and parents who were waiting to pick up their kids. Cave took to the stage at the same venue just four months later. And Far Out Magazine reports that Cave has now called the, gil- called the gig the most emotional of his career. The admission comes after a fan asked him on his new fan platform, The Red Hand Flies, whether his own songs had ever made him cry on stage. <laughs> In an emotional response, Cave uh, explained that he is usually concentrating too much on his performance to get emotional, but that changed at the Manchester gig. Cave added, every now and then, a sudden thought beyond my control pierces this state of presentness, a devastating image, or a shocking recollection, or an impossible wish, and that holy state of now ruptures around the world comes crashing in, and well, sometimes you cry. And so it was at the Bad Seats concert at the Manchester Arena, in your hometown, Sarah. I remember that concert so vividly. It was four months after the terrorist bombing where 23 people died and untold were were wounded physically and psychologically. It was one of the first gigs in the Manchester Arena since it had reopened and there was a feeling of real defiance in the room, of course, but a terrible sadness too, I thought, at the sheer monstrousness of it all. A sadness because we understood that evil does walk among us and that none of us has any real control over our destinies, that we are all tossed around by the arbitrary winds of fate and whoever really knows what is going to happen next. At that concert in Manchester Arena, with these thoughts going through my mind, I felt an intense common bond with the audience that became in the end almost overwhelming and which I will never forget. The unrestrained release at the end of the show was a deliverance for us all. Nick Cave and the Bad Seeds released their last album, Skeleton Tree, in 2016, and the frontman recently gave an update on the state of their follow-up at an event in Melbourne, saying he was very, very excited about it, and recording would wrap soon. Cave has recently announced that he's bringing his Conversations tour to Europe and the UK this May and June, that will see him taking a widespread selection of questions from fans and performing some of his most iconic tracks on piano. Yeah. Following one of his recent conversations, evenings in Australia, Cave was praised for his heartfelt response to a young boy who had attended. He told the kid, the secret knowledge you have is a strength that will inspire you to do wondrous things, like write stories or draw pictures or build rockets that fly to Mars. A boy full of inspiration with a warrior's name. (laughs) The world is waiting for you. Blow him away, kid. (laughs) Um, I've never actually seen Nick Cave in concert. I did get the opportunity to see him, but now I'm like, well, we're not getting any younger, so (laughs) might as well add it to the list. And yeah, he has a pretty extensive Europe tour happening in May. Um, He's going to be in Antwerp, Belgium. And in June, he's going to be doing an extensive tour of the UK. But he does come to the the States pretty often. Maybe not every year, but every other year, he's he's pretty much here. And I remember him as a member of um, a band called The Birthday Party. I think that might have been the original group that he was in. But obviously, he has a very successful um, solo career. 
So props to him and uh, glad that people have moved on since, you know, 2017. And um, I remember when the concert at the Bataclan, uh, the French terrorist attack happened and people were like nervous to go to shows after that. And people were, you know, talking about it and bringing it out into the open. And they're like, we're going to persevere. Like, that's the right thing to do. That's the American way. So I'm glad that people just kind of stuck to that mentality and just not, in, not letting anyone else, you know, determine their I mean, it's interesting how Nick Cave was talking about fate, but it's like what there's a fine line between determining your own fate and then letting somebody else determine it for you. So that's my that's my thought on that. Albert, what do you think? Yeah, <laughs> that was um, that was less worse than R. Kelly and, and Michael Jackson because I think I would feel really heated reading those stories, <laughs> like overheated, <laughs> or Jesse Smollett. <laughs> but it, it's interesting. It's like because I remember when those things were happening, and then you know just having it brought back to the conversation. Like it's so shocking when it does happen, but over time, it's interesting to kind of look back on it and see how, you know, people have changed or stayed the same or just kind of, you know, stick with what's important to them. So we just, we kind of, we got to keep um, doing what we love, what we feel passionate about and don't let these motherfuckers stand in our way, right? <laughs> this humming sound is interesting. I don't know exactly where it's coming from. Um could be on the mixer well we can play around with it and see what we come up with all righty then well stay tuned for more mutiny radio good bit once more have we got time
Davis, and they were just like, "Here's Mike and the board yeah, game." Was like, yeah. Okay. What did they do at Davis? My mic wasn't working for some reason. Yeah. In like, I'm my voice. They were recording it, and it kept cutting in and out. So I don't think they could use a lot of what I was saying. Oh no. Yeah. Also, like, they, they were also out. videoing us too, so they probably had to like cut it up. Like, yeah, it was probably so a mess. weird in editing. Oh, I've had bands do that where they're like, "You're gonna edit this, right?" And I'm like, "Sure, yeah." Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, no. And then they just because they're so technical themselves, they figure out how to do all that editing and yeah. bullshit. Yeah. 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 <laughs> So you guys are car sick. Yeah. And uh, how is the car ride over here? Pretty sick. <laughs> <laughs> that was good. See, I'm testing my comedy chops. Uh, yeah. See how it goes. <laughs> I like it. And um, so you guys are pretty new. You've, uh, you've known each other for a while, but you just started, um, you know, collaborating together. What's that been like so far? That's been pretty cool. Yeah. I've, uh, yeah. Yeah, it's pretty fun. <laughs> We're all friends, so it um it works out well. Mm-hmm. It, really it just really... kind of started with us just kind of having a jam session and seeing how it would go and it just like yeah. went like really well and you're like, "Okay." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. It was all very smooth. Nothing really feels too contrived. So that's what's really nice about it because we were close before. Mm-hmm. So it does just kind of feel like we're just hanging out and nothing does feel like a huge process or anything. That's awesome. And that's what I hope for every time I do a show here at Mutiny that it just goes seamlessly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Doesn't always happen, but we always aim for the best. <laughs> Strive for the best. Yeah. That's good. And what are your plans for the recent uh future are you guys playing any upcoming shows it sounds like you're going to be playing locally in san francisco yeah we have a show coming up on um the 22nd of march mm-hmm. at um fdr brewery That's ferment right. drink repeat brewery and then after that we have a couple shows in april uh, uh yeah we Bunch. have a show <laughs> on the 7th of april at the gilman mm-hmm. and then or sorry, no, that is the Festival in Davis. So gotcha. Festival in Davis, uh, April 7th, and then we're playing the Gilman on the 14th of that month. What's the festival going to be like? We'll see. <laughs> That's a great question. Yeah, yeah. TBD. <laughs> a lot there's of like, the lineup is um, Lizzie's little circle. Yeah. Band, so that would be cool. There's, yeah. like a, cool. there's like a good number of like bands, though. So yeah, like, A lot of yeah. people. Nice. That'll be fun. Hopefully they have like a decent sized stage, you know? I know, yeah. She asked for a stage plot recently. Okay. So hmm. That's good. Yeah. Very good. And um, are you guys working on putting out a release this year or sometime in the near future. I think so, yeah, because, um, I mean, I've tried drawing up big grand plans kind mm-hmm. of thing. Mm-hmm. I, uh, mm-hmm. The plan for this year was to release um, the first single around springtime, and it's springtime now. That It kind of snuck up on me for sure. I but, thought it was uh, summertime. No, it's spring. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, it's, it's spring. Coming. We can just wing it, honestly. We, we could yeah. just wing yeah, it, but I was aiming it, like, for spring. Whenever. We have a couple singles, though, like coming out yeah. soon. Tomorrow yeah. is spring forward. Mm-hmm. Just so you know, I'm not ready for it. I'm not either. Oh, I have work tomorrow. Yeah, <laughs> my my boss is like more. texting all, like the whole chat, just like guys, be prepared. It's spring forward. Yeah. I'm like, oh, oh god, no. I, I would have forgot unless for you said it. that. <laughs> not prepared. No. So did you guys meet in school or extracurricular activities? It like was really weird because um, I met Tessa through like a friend of mine because uh, I lived down in San Jose and I knew him there and then mm-hmm. he knew you through yeah. like yo-yoing yeah. and then you knew Lawrence and then we all like mm-hmm. fangirled over the same band and then that's how it kind of started <laughs> yeah that's pretty, pretty much. much how it started that's yeah. a good way yeah. to start a friendship yeah. 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 yeah yeah. that wasn't too long ago either it really wasn't yeah wait was it 
like, I feel like a it little was over a year like a, now. Yeah. Just a little over a year. Good times. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> a year goes by so fast. It does. Yeah. It really does. It does. Can't believe like it's almost it. 2020. Yeah. <laughs> well, not yet. We just started 2019. It comes up on you fast, man. We're three months in, and I haven't felt productive, like, at all. <laughs> it's cold. It's yeah. cold. The weather just hasn't really been ideal. No. 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 The weather is Do so weather. weird. I heard it, like, rain down, uh, not rain, it snowed down in L.A., like, a couple weeks ago. Yeah. In and parts of L.A. Yeah. Here, too. In the, well, yeah. in the peaks. Yeah. 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 That was freaky. Nuts. Cool, What's the weather like in East Bay right now? It's not bad actually in East Bay. It's not too cold right now. It's kind of rainy every yeah. now. And then. A little rainy, yeah. Kind of rainy's like good though. Yeah. And um, where can we find you guys on the interwebs? You can find us on SoundCloud, uh, Twitter, Instagram. Mm-hmm. Uh, all the handles are really carsick. It's at really carsick. Um, but yeah. And some stuff on Spotify. We're working on that. Yeah, yeah, we have stuff yeah. on Spotify. Is it also yeah, under really carsick, or is it just carsick on Spotify? Carsick on Spotify. It's carsick on Spotify. Yeah, yeah. really. Like, but everything yeah. else is just really carsick. I couldn't yeah. get the title. Couldn't, yeah, couldn't I, I couldn't get the handle. handle. So, let me guess. Does somebody have motion sickness? Somebody has it. Yeah. Oh, like in the band? I do. Yeah, oh, I actually I do. Yeah. How do you? Yeah, really? when I was little, I used to get like severely like carsick. Yeah. yeah, it was awful. So on the way here, I'm, I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, you're driving. Yeah, I just I'm not the best driver. And it's also San Francisco. Everything's windy when you drive up yeah. here. So. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes, I've been in various cars the past 24 hours, and I'm like, this oh is such a different experience. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just not used to it. Yeah, know? but um, no, it's good. It's convenient. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, do you guys, I'm assuming that you guys drive normally, like you wouldn't take think to take a Lyft or Uber. Like that's not in your line no, of yeah, I think too we're often. too broke to. Yeah. <laughs> we're yeah. too broke to do all that. When, when we were in Seattle, I was taking a bunch, a bunch of Lyfts and it's they were like, ex- it adds were, up. I know, but they were like wilding in the rain in Seattle. Like it was scaring me. <laughs> I thought they were good People drivers drive up there. drive crazy up there. Though. They no, really do. Like I thought they were lazy drivers the out there. Nah. No? no. Oh, okay. <laughs> Taking it to a stroll. Yeah, <laughs> honestly. Slowing down. Let's just walk. <laughs> Let's just walk. Down. Albert and I were in Seattle a couple months ago. It was awesome. Ooh. Yeah, I love it up there. It's yeah. great. Do you guys go up there pretty often? or No, no. Well, you guys were just down there last yeah. month, yeah. and then we're about to go up there again in a month, I think, right? Yeah. Oh, so I guess we go up there kind of, like, Hopefully. every once in a while. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> not, like, nice. super often. It's, it's not a frequent trip. thing. Like, it's not, like, a routine, a routine thing, but, no. yeah. Yeah. And um, do you guys see yourself doing a West Coast tour at some point, or what's That's what's the plan? Definitely the goal. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that'd yeah. be the dream. But I don't know if we're not close soon. to that yet. Yeah, yeah. Not anytime mm-hmm. soon. Maybe after a couple like singles and more original music is out, and mm-hmm. yeah. I think we need to break out in the scene a bit more and try to expose ourselves a bit more before we move on to that. Absolutely. Well, the Bay Area is a good place to start. Yeah, <laughs> it is. Yeah. yeah. Test the waters. Mm-hmm. It's the um, homeland. Yeah. What is your ideal venue that you would want to play at in San Francisco? Oh, jeez. Um, I've always dreamed of playing at the rickshaw. I mean, yeah, like, I, I don't know if that's I a low. Last night. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, we're always there. Yeah, so. we're there a lot. Yeah. They've been having some good shows recently. Like, I went through a couple of years where I just didn't go, and then all of a sudden mm-hmm. it was like, this band's playing and this band's playing. Yeah. You know, stuff that you would be interested in. Yeah. yeah. What kind of bands do you guys normally... See, is it people you know, or just um, things that you discover online? That's local stuff. We try to 
trying to support like local other local bands and stuff mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, hmm. i think the majority of it is usually like music we do find off the internet though yeah yeah, yeah. yeah definitely or like very indie bands <laughs> yeah stuff like that mm-hmm. yeah the good old net yeah. oh yeah but i think once you guys get on spotify that's really gonna catapult you guys yeah. out there just hopefully be that'd easier, be cool mm-hmm. you know for people more to, accessible yeah, yeah, yeah that's everything. and that's kind of the key really not just... everyone like logs into soundcloud but like mm-hmm. everyone mm-hmm. has like a spotify or an itunes so yeah i've had close friends yeah it's all it about really accessibility is. and i've had close friends just say like it's a lot easier on spotify so mm-hmm. you don't have to like switch apps yeah exactly <laughs> And um, when you guys are recording, is it normally like something that you would do in the comfort of your own home? Or do you guys plan on going to an actual studio to record at some point? At least for me, um, I generally start the demos um, of our songs. Um, So I definitely like doing that in the comfort of my own bedroom, um, just because I am more comfortable there. Yeah. Um, But yeah, I, I mean, I think the industry and just music technology as a whole has moved forward to this new DIY mentality where everything can be done from a bedroom. And I'm like a huge advocate of that. I'm a huge advocate of the whole DIY mentality. Yeah. So, um, and we're just too broke to pay for a studio. Oh, but like, we, I don't, we yeah. do unless you some, know someone, unless yeah. you know yeah. somebody, yeah, we, we do have a studio at our, um, community college, me and Lawrence. Yeah. Like yeah. A, um, Chabot college. And they have like a really amazing, um, music technology program. So sometimes we use that studio, but mm-hmm. What's that college in Emeryville? The recording expressions. Yes. Yeah, yeah. That one I've heard is pretty good too. Yeah, yeah. They have good facilities there, but we have she better facilities yeah. and <laughs> it's community college, so it's cheaper. True. There you go. Yeah. That's, that's the way to go these days. Actually, that's the way I went. Yeah. yeah. Community college to the university. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's, it's a good way to go. It's a good yeah. way to start off. Yeah. It really is. It's a good transition for sure. For sure, and. Um, what would be the ideal band that you would open for or be on a bill with? It's like, the 1975 <laughs> that would be like the dream to open for or whatever but i mean at least for me that's like that'd be the ideal yeah that's a dream right there that's um what is it the holy grail is that the right term that's the holy grail that is the right term yeah but it would be cool to open for like local acts like um no vacation or like maddie sipes or something have you heard i don't know if you've heard of maddie sipes i love them they're they're amazing but they're like um kind of local so yeah that'd be really cool That'd be so fun. To Something a little no more vacation. attainable, maybe. I know. No vacation would be so no sick. Vacation yeah, no vacation is so fun. Yeah. Alan, hook it up. <laughs> <laughs> and who would you say are your biggest influences? The 1975, the 1975. <laughs> <laughs> There's more. Um, okay. M83. That's a massive one. For massive me. one yeah. for me as yeah. well. Uh, cigarettes after sex. Cigarettes. Oh, my God. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, who else? Siguros, uh, uh, Japanese house. Japanese house for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, who else? There's probably more. Let me just open up my Spotify and see what I've been listening <laughs> to recently. Who, who I've been checking out recently? Yeah. It's always a good indication. We really um, like like a lot of ambient music and 
yeah oh chromatics i've been so into them lately yeah they're oh yeah you have they're my go-to right now they're really good they're a little like synth pop a little bit of shoegaze in there nice. it's cool oh and slow yeah. dive we forgot to say slow oh, yeah. oh massive yeah. inspiration well, we cover their song <laughs> i know yeah they're definitely one of my biggest for sure have you had a chance to check them out live oh yeah, yeah i have yeah, it was yeah. well, an experience was it? it was an experience um yeah am i allowed to talk about drugs on here go for it okay sweet well it wasn't even anything hardcore it wasn't anything yeah (laughs) i didn't do anything too hardcore but um my friend brandon and i went to the show and uh neither of us really smoke often but we told ourselves like okay like we have to smoke for the show just because just because of like how atmospheric it is like we have to get really high for it and um like a panic attack oh i freaked out yeah i had a panic attack in there it's just weed yeah, this was just weed. That's why I don't oh, smoke often. I, I was okay, freaking I'm out. Sorry. You can't say, can I mention drugs on here? It's weed, dog. It's not a drug. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah that is like true. Snorted, like I'd rather be precautious, though. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, no, we uh, smoked right before the show. Yeah, and paranoid. Uh, yeah, it was terrible. I got really high in there, and I, uh, it got to a point where, yeah, I was doing a lot of that. Uh, my friend they're Brandon was telling me that they're after you. They're after me. I I think four songs in or something. Um, Brandon pointed out that I was just petting my hair for the whole time that we were in there. I've yeah, and I was freaking out under stress. I like legit like I do that too. All like there was alopecia going on. Oh my god! Oh, it's insane. Damn. Yeah, yeah. That's exactly what I do too, though. It, like whenever I get really stressed, I start playing yeah. with my hair or really start <laughs> finicking with it. Yeah. Um, but th- that's what happened. Oh, the concert was amazing, like, the little bits that I remember. <laughs> but, yeah, I was really high. Um, I had to leave for, like, half the set. I sat in the hallway for, like, yeah, maybe 30, 45 minutes. I was just tripping. And then eventually I came in for, like, I think the last four or five songs or something. But that was a good time. It was <laughs> good times. Yeah, the little of the concert that I remember, it was great. They played Allison, like, when I was oh somewhat God. conscious. So <laughs> Conscious. <laughs> Sounds like the next, the next shows we go to are gonna be like so fun. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not gonna smoke at those ones. No. I'm not smoking. You want the full experience? Oh yeah. I mean, we have like a solid like three that we plan on going to. Mm-hmm. So. Mm-hmm. Which one? I'm excited. Uh, the 1975 show. <laughs> <laughs> oh, all three of them. It, um, they have like a tour, um, so we're we're planning on trying to go to the ones like in Seattle, Portland, and San Francisco. Oh wow, good yeah. for you. Yeah. I want to do something like that. Another road trip. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're just gonna make a road trip out of it. Yeah. So it's pretty fun. Yeah. Sounds like a blast. Yeah. We'll yeah. have to get back to me on that. How would you describe your sound for somebody who hasn't listened to you guys yet? It's very dream poppy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Very slow, very lazy, down tempo, yeah. shoegaze. Lazy. Yeah. <laughs> it's lazy. <laughs> You're taking the day off. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, Here's a beat for you guys. <laughs> yeah, dream pop, ambient, shoegaze. Especially bedroom pop. pop. Like, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. The way that like you guys record it, yeah. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And do you guys have any material that you want to... Do you have any material that we could play? Uh, we do, yeah, um, a little bit. I don't know how I can actually connect that right now, though. Oh, that's okay. Is but it on your phone or? I do have it on my phone. Do we have an aux cord that will plug into the mixer? Yeah. Oh, okay. Um, melt. Yeah. Why don't we just play Melt then? Yeah, this is a this... single that we're gonna release in the spring. In the spring, <laughs> at some point. Which starts tomorrow. Brands yeah. I want to come up with a plan. Um, <laughs> I know. 
before I release it, but... Am I allowed... I was like, am I allowed to do this? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's not that important. Uh, Where's the... uh, It's right here? Yeah. Okay. Hopefully this is the right file. Sneak peek of this. Yeah. I think this is the right file, but... Again, it's still a little in the works. It's a demo. (laughs) Better than nothing. All right, am I good to...
back we're back we're back we're back i was i don't know about you guys but i could totally listen to that just for hours on end like tomorrow yeah oh, <laughs> thank you just ch- chilling out it's definitely like chill out vibes yeah good um i think we need more of that honestly in this day and age i'm not gonna lie oh thank you what do you guys think I would I agree. Right. Yeah. I would agree. Yeah. We all need to calm down. <laughs> Chill out, man. Listen to vibes. I mean, I usually... Re- I, are you guys familiar with Enemy? New Musical Express? Mm-hmm. It's like a British music publication. Yeah. yeah. So normally it's like... I mean, it was music news, but it was about like uh, Jesse Smollett, Michael Jackson, R. Kelly... Um, the lead singer of The Prodigy who passed away and I was like that's the least offensive story so I'm gonna read that <laughs> I mean it's still hard it's still a hard story to read because it's bringing up mental health issues yeah. and suicide and it's like none of this shit is easy anymore okay yeah. <laughs> it's never like the stories that I used to read weren't I guess I did. I did. Couldn't make a decision whether I wanted to do music news or just you know local Bay Area. So I did local news stories, and one of them happened to be somebody who was African American was getting arrested or pulled over, mm-hmm. and somebody who was listening to the show was African American, and he called and was like, "Why are you reading that fucking story?" Jeez. <laughs> oh, I was like, "I'm Hit sorry." On. Like that's what came up in the. You know, I wasn't oh, judging man. it. I was just straight up. You know, not contemplating or not judging it before I read it on air so to speak or what do you call it proofreading yeah I was just kind of after that I was like I'm fucking just gonna read music news because back then 10 years ago it was like not a big deal Mm -hmm. but now Mm -hmm. even that is is tainted yeah (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) things are a little more PC you know yeah so what do you guys think about um, the Bay Area music scene as a whole or do you do you want to, in you know the the lifeline of your um, the band or the lifespan of your band? Do you kind of want to do something that doesn't really have anything to do with the current Bay Area music scene? If that makes sense. I think um, our goal is just to be a little more oriented towards the internet, uh, just because that is where everything lies now. Mm-hmm. Um, so to be affiliated with the Bay Area music scene would be great still. However, I don't think that is the it's end not, all it's be not all. Goal, but like yeah. it's, it's something that is cool to be involved in and to see like the different bands that make their way in and out of the scene. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it and it's it's good like um, exposure too. Mm-hmm. It definitely um, is. Yeah. There's some cool cats out here too. Mm-hmm. So yeah, yeah, definitely. And I mean like <laughs> Bay Area is home. So I yeah. definitely yeah, love always. the Bay. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, there's no place like the Bay, honestly. <laughs> but um, yeah, our our plan is to move down to LA no. next year at some point. Like yeah, the typical move. We're gonna. We're gonna <laughs> 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 oh, he's yeah. coming, mother. <laughs> yeah, come along, Albert. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's the plan we're... right now. Hopefully, it'll go through. We're but... literally gonna get beat up because we're from Nor- NorCal. Like, oh, <laughs> how do you think we'll we're fight back. Beat up? We'll fight know. back. There's always so much beef between Nor- NorCal and SoCal for some reason. It is. At least like on Twitter and stuff. It's just, it like, really. Yes, I have mm-hmm. a secret. I'm actually from there. Oh, <laughs> oh really? <laughs> but I've been Santa Monica. Oh, okay. Mm. But nice. I've been here for almost 15 years, so it kind of feels like I'm from here now. And I have family from here, like my grandmother. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, she was born here, or no, she was born in New York actually, but she grew up here, San Francisco, yeah. Menlo Park area. Then my grandfather, he came here after World War II. You know, as a youngin, probably about your age. <laughs> Yeah, probably your age. Um, and then slowly made his way to SoCal. So it's like 
San Francisco is kind of a good like thoroughfare, I want to say, yeah, or yeah. kind of at different you know places in your life. Like it's just a great place to to be. Yeah, <laughs> it'll mm. it'll be. I'll yeah. definitely miss it here. Oh, yeah, yeah it's, I love it up here. There yeah. are some That's great stuff. things about SoCal though that I've noticed since I haven't been living there, but I do go there to visit family. Like there is kind of a whole artistic scene going on like downtown LA, mm-hmm. NorCal, um, North Hollywood mm. arts. I don't know if you guys are familiar, but maybe you could kind of do some research or um, scavenging over there. I mean, there's definitely stuff happening. Will, yeah. yeah. I think yeah. we do need to scout out like yeah. the next spot and certain things in SoCal for us to chase after. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the farther I feel like the farther you go inward the more you know it's gonna get more artistic whereas the closer you get to the water it's gonna be the opposite but, yeah. mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> but it, you Good know it know. just just depends but that's mm-hmm. kind of my take being you know kind of being in the know about you know different things in music or alter- more alternative music I wanna say right um, yeah so it, um, how do you think um music is going to change over the next couple of years now that you guys are in it <laughs> the state of music yeah oh, um i don't know i i think we've lived in like um like the current state of where it's at right now is all about consumption like rapid consumption on like constantly consuming something like immediately and right. really fast and yeah. i think it's gone to a point where a lot of people have become aware of the overload of music so hopefully something changes um because I still constantly feel overwhelmed about, like, um, from all the music that's coming out. Because there's some good stuff out there, but it's yeah, really it's hard so to filter saturated. it. It's very saturated. Yeah. It is. Especially with the whole DIY mentality thing that I was talking about earlier, how, like, the current state of music is, like, DIY. Like, that's allowed anybody to make music. That's like, allowed us to make music. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Who let us make music? <laughs> exactly. So, I mean, that just opens up like the floodgates even yeah, more. Yeah. And it's, I don't know about your guys' generation, but it's hard for me to really appreciate a band just by um, listening to their recordings. Mm-hmm. I feel like I have to see them live yeah. and get like the full experience that way. Definitely, I don't yeah. know how mm-hmm. you guys yeah. feel about that. I feel the same way too because I like, um, just as a music consumer myself, I tend to associate music with certain things, right? Like, mm-hmm. I mean, for a lot of people, I think music is very visual. I don't want to get all like ooh woo about it, but like, yeah, it's <laughs> yeah, but you know, it is visual. So, I mean, like, I definitely like pairing visuals with the music or some type of uh, like different media. I just, guess yeah, yeah, seeing the performance and just the the vibes of the band, like mm-hmm. has or something like that, is just cool. Just like visually see. Yeah, you guys yeah. could have that cool background. Like, yeah, the, like the effects and stuff. Or, mm-hmm. you know? yeah. mm-hmm. That's the goal, I man. That. that is the goal. Have a yeah. treadmill on stage. <laughs> treadmill. <laughs> I would. I would totally. You know, volunteer yeah. to do fans that. in our face. I love that. that yeah. just we need some fans. Go places, man. <laughs> we need some fans. Just tell me what color you know to wear, and I'll yeah. Me. Get oh, some gotcha. dumbbells in yeah. hand while you're running on the treadmill. I'm not. I'm not lying either. I'll do it. <laughs> I don't. I really don't think you are. We'll lying. get that sorted out. We'll get that sorted out later. <laughs> let me know. <laughs> uh, do you guys have any other content that you would like to us to hear? Or should we keep it under wraps? I'm down to play some more. I don't Wait, care. Really? <laughs> yeah, why not? I'm ready. I'm ready. Yeah, why not? 
Um, so we could either play oh, Sweet Dream, Dream, Machine. Dream Machine. We could play Text Me When You Get Home. We're playing Sweet Dream. <laughs> but Sweet Dream Machine, like, is not really done. Have I even heard Sweet Dream Machine. Oh yes, I have. Okay, I think so. I just like, well, okay, guys, well, I haven't even listened to it. Okay, I think I, we need a vote. So, Sweet Dream Machine is very demo-y right now. It's still at a very demo stage, so it sounds pretty rough. Or should we just play one that's a little more polished? <laughs> or we could play tonight. We could play the. We could play the Licky Lee cover. Sure. I mean, yeah. Sweet Dream Machine. What do you think? Okay, fine. We'll just do this one. This one's very rough. So. It's okay though. It's scratchy.
Is it time to go to bed yet? Yeah. Sorry, did I scream? Is it? It's only seven. (laughs) (laughs) I think that's a decent time. 7.09. Yeah. So you have to tell me when this music becomes available because it's going to be the nighttime playlist. In my life. Yeah. Just <laughs> Not in here. my life. And yeah. In my Sleep. life. Personally. I appreciate it. Yeah. Uh, it'll be out at some point. It could be. The first song we played will, that, that'll be the first release. Um, like so. tomorrow? Uh, no. <laughs> maybe in like a month or so, a month and a half. Okay. Yeah. You said like spring and tomorrow's spring, so I was like, oh. That is true. Tomorrow. Yeah. Maybe in like a month or so. I mean, you already released that cover. Yeah. Like yesterday. So. Yeah, yeah, that is true. Yeah. We gave them their content. Something, yeah. <laughs> Will people be able to access this content, um, like you said, in a month from now? That's what you said. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, where can we find you online again? Best website? Um, the best website. The best website, I would say, is our Instagram, yeah. which is at reallycarsick spelled exactly how it sounds mm-hmm. um and then we have twitter same handle at really carsick and then our spotify and soundcloud it's just or, that's right. yeah it's just carsick carsick just carsick yeah. car one word carsick not just carsick the word carsick <laughs> <laughs> just don't let it happen to you right? no. <laughs> that could be your tagline yeah I'm yeah sure. that could yeah. underline this <laughs> Yeah, well, it was great to have you guys in here. And Thanks for having us. It was us. great being here, yeah. Yeah. Thank you for having us. And yeah. hopefully see you guys in like a couple of months or a year or... At the rickshaw. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, seriously. Yeah. Because we'll be like, yeah, I remember we were talking about it, and now it's finally happening. Yeah. <laughs> Little Graham, though, that would be amazing. That would Even be good. Even if oh, we were wow. just opening for... No, I'd... Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Amazing. <laughs> have you guys seen any good shows there recently? Uh, not recently. I saw Brockhampton. I saw Jody oh, yeah. there. Um, you did see a lot of good shows. We've seen the I'm 1935 jealous. there. Yeah. It's a nice, like, small, like, little... It's not small. It's, it's not? Big. It was small. Bill no, Bill Graham's big. big. Right, I'm big tripping one. then. Never mind. You're probably thinking of something else. Yeah. yeah. You're thinking of, like, Oracle. Yeah. Or... <laughs> I don't go to those kinds of shows as much anymore. Like, I kind of wanted to see Muse. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. It's just hard for me to justify it um, when a lot of the bands that I like play some of the smaller venues yeah. I guess here yeah, yeah. yeah. it's a really different experience Oakland and it's yeah. more intimate right it's yeah. just hard to get that same experience in a huge yeah, yeah arena. it is but, it's weird but people like it you know you can't knock it um, I did see some good shows at Oracle over the years I saw Pearl Jam that oh, was oh wow really Classic. special yeah um, I saw Depeche Mode about That's a year rad. ago I wasn't even planning on seeing them ever again i was like okay i've seen them i'm done it was kind of stressful um my friend and i went to see them at mountain view and it was like this whole thing you know trying to get there and that's always stressful terrible (laughs) so i was like i'm never seeing them again and then sure enough somebody convinced me to go see them because those shows are so massive like just getting in and out of the parking lot alone is terrible the whole process is so like so different compared to like smaller shows so. what's uh what's your favorite venue in the bay area bill, bill graham or uh bill graham's good mm-hmm. um rickshaw <laughs> yeah uh, i'm trying rickshaw's to think that's a tough question oh bottom of the hill that one's a fun one that's that one's fun small, that one's cute it's, it's a good one it's, fun, it's yeah. really it's cute it's hard to get to but if it's a good band you're like yeah, yeah. it's worth it yeah i just remember seeing cigarettes oh. after sex there it was so good. i love yeah. how i'm able to make that claim yeah 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 they saw them at 
bottom of the hill like a small venue and now they're yeah. playing massive stages yeah. i think i tried to interview them at some point really like in the past oh year that's so. cool they're so I'll let awesome you know if i do yeah <laughs> please right yeah, yeah we'll be right outside <laughs> give us a cds in hand for an autograph everything i don't want to i don't want to kill your dreams but it might just be a fun interview <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's yeah. how it goes sometimes but yeah. i'm like you know what people will be excited to hear this yeah yeah, yeah. still that's still good content so. we'll still be here <laughs> we'll still be here yeah <laughs> <laughs> awesome did you want to play one more song to close us out sure if there, if why not all right it's like a cover or which one okay so we can do either something we've really Vicky Lee cover yeah, tonight do that. Do that. Yeah. or text me when you get home no don't do that don't do text me when you get <laughs> home no. why not just don't it's grand it's awesome <laughs> they wouldn't just, understand just okay the tonight cover's good what else do we have decisions decisions <laughs> okay fine we'll just do a little Licky Lee cover then yeah alright
Well, thanks again for stopping on by. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Thanks for having us. And um, look for looking forward to that show at the rickshaw stop. I mean, yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. one day <laughs> we'll get you on the guest list. Yeah, it's called the F- FDR Brewery. FDR Brewery. Ferment, yeah. drink, repeat. Oh, that's yeah. what it stands for. Yeah. I was mm-hmm. like, I need to check that place out. It's a really cool spot. Yeah. Do they have an emblem of FDR or no? I don't think so. <laughs> right, marketing. Yeah. <laughs> All righty. Well, thanks again, and stay tuned for more Mutiny Radio.
vocalist and guitarist with the combo, one of the guitarists. Also on guitarist, Lester Square, who does a bit of singing and plays synthesizer, given the opportunity. There's Andy Warren on bass and vocals, J.D. Haney on drums, and Tony Fox on backing vocals. The 
Mutiny Radio Comedy Festival 2019. Make some motherfucking noise right now. Woo! Welcome to this part of the show. Uh, my name is Mike, Mike Evans, and this is a show called 23 and Meh. Um, I forget what the, what the reference is, uh, Pam. 23 and Me is the dating website? 23 and Me is the thing where you swab your face and find out what race you are. Oh, shit. Damn. Well, I picked a really great show to wear the I'm So White button on right now. I, uh, I doubt that I am actually white just because cops like to stop me all the time. People walk across the street when they see me. I don't know. I don't know why. I haven't showered in a couple months. That might be why. But I think it is a racial thing. Um, <laughs> so tonight on the show, we have a really dope lineup. We have uh, fucking Jaron George. We have Molly Shero and Ben Warren. It's going to be really dope. But for now, you're going to listen to my face talk for a second. Um, so I work in a middle school, which is... Kind of fun because everybody at middle school is just as problematic as we all wish we could still be. Um, middle school kids and old ass people in retirement homes all talk with absolutely no filter, and um, they're just mean, mean as shit. Um, I have little friends though. I have a friend named Sarah who uh, I thought was a really cool person until she told me this really mean prank she pulled on a child. Named, uh, thing with a fake name, named Dan. So basically, in middle school, having a crush on a person is like the biggest fucking thing in your life. And uh, basically, Sarah knew that Dan liked her. Sarah told Dan, she was like, hey, Dan, do you like me? And Dan was like, yeah. And Sarah was like, hey, do you want to go out with me? Do you want to be boyfriend and girlfriend? And Dan was like, yeah, hell yeah. And Sarah was like, psych, you are an ugly bitch. I would never date you. <laughs> Which is, it's funny, but it's so horrible for Dan because I had to see him cry and shit. And um, yeah, and that's the first time I punched a little kid in the face. I punched Sarah right in the face. Um, if you're wondering why I do stand-up comedies, because I got fired as a teacher at a middle school. Um <laughs> punching a kid in the face apparently you can't do that anymore not like the old days right that's what all old people say like oh back in my day you know i used to get punched by my slave master i'm like mom you're not you're not that old you're not that old at all 23 and me i don't know <laughs> trying to think where my lineage might go back to very curious thomas jefferson is always like a maybe because you know he had sex with slaves and shit um, I feel like it'd be really cool to find out if I was Asian American. I'd be really happy. What's up, man? How you doing? What's cracking? Good. Here at the 23 Me show. It's a very diverse audience of white people, and uh, one black guy. Two of us, both wearing green jackets. We knew, <laughs> we knew we had to color coordinate with the jean jackets and black vans. That's how we stand in solidarity. We're running away from angry mobs. Uh, the first time I figured out that I was black was, uh, I was jacking off and, um, I always thought jacking off was like a weird, like rolling dice motion. But for me, it was like, I was unclogging a toilet. It was this giant, this giant penis joke. 
<laughs> More Johnny's penis jokes. Um, first time I got an erection, I passed out because it was just so long. It was just protruded. Just it was about about this. You know, I was just knocking people over and shit. And it was just really terrible for. It was a really bad Thanksgiving because that's the first time I had it. All my family was like, "What's going on? Why are you flipping the table over?" Because <laughs> I'm black, Dad. You don't understand. <laughs> man, I'm at that age now. Uh, oh shit, Spencer. What's up, man? How you doing? Good, good, good. I'm just telling jokes, talking about my dad. Feel free to walk in. Well, not free. Just feel, feel to walk in. Yep. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> should come in, man. Should come in, take a seat. It's all nice. It's ten dollars. Tackle him, tackle him now. No, just kidding. <laughs> that is the bouncer with the nice thriller jacket on. It's pretty fucking awesome. But anyway, my dad, um, he's uh, I haven't seen him in a while. Uh, knock, knock. <laughs> Not my father. Um, <laughs> nah, he's a cool guy. He's he's all right. Um, first time I caught him watching porn was uh, was in seventh grade. Uh, he tried to play it off, though. I was like, hey, Dad, you know, what are you looking at at 3 in the morning? There was just women in bikinis just all lined up on this website he was looking at. And he was like, oh, Mike, you know, it's just, see the way these girls are dressed? I, I, I just would never want anyone to dress like that. I'm like, that's really what you're fucking thinking right now? At 2 in the morning, you're just judging, reassessing your morals and shit. of swimming through a sea of podcasts. Are ye on a raft without a patter? Well, gather around me, sea dogs, and get aboard me pirate ship as we set sail for the seas of mutinyradio.fm. From there, you can captain your own pirate ship as you sail through over 44 different shows for all of your listening pleasures. They've got live comedy to small business advice, LGBTQ-friendly to sports, vinyl to gutter punk. MutinyRadio.fm has the best programming the Internet Ocean has to offer you. I bet my peg leg on it, or I ain't scurvy shit-faced McRat. <laughs> Asiento. Asiento. Take a seat at Asiento on 21st and Bryan. Meet friends for a drink, have delicious tapas, and a relaxed community atmosphere. Asiento, honestly, is a wonderful place. They have incredible bartenders and board games all over the walls. Trivia on Mondays, Taco Tuesdays, First Wednesday, live jazz. Live DJs Thursday. Parties. The food is darn good. Special happy hour prices all night long with your Mutiny Radio Comedy Festival ticket March 1st through 5th. Check out the schedule at www.asientosf.com. 
come take a seat. I had a date there and it did not go well. But it wasn't the fault of the place. They're very nice. Asiento. For a burger, Mutiny Radio thinks you'll find the best burger in San Francisco at Counter Offer, located inside Bender's Bar and Grill. Counter Offer's menu aims to please your drunk face. Tater tots are served daily. On Tuesday nights, Counter Offer serves specials off the Taco Bell menu, only better. You can enjoy your favorite Taco Bell item without the guilt. Counter Offer uses only fresh ingredients and never store bought shit. Special ingredients are made from scratch daily, including beans, ketchup, mustard, habanero sauce, and ranch dressing. Counter Offer even serves vegan mac and cheese. All of this great food is served 2 p.m. to 10 p.m. daily. Test, 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 test. Go ahead. Does it sound? Does it sound? Can you hear yeah, me? I hear okay. you on that mic. Cool. All right. We got a big show at the top South of the hour. Bye. Be sure to tell them Mutiny sent you. Counter Offer, baby. Mutiny Radio at MutinyRadio.fm. It's a great place to listen to crazy things. Subliminal SF visual and auditory mind control brings you the best, coolest t-shirt and hoodie designs and mind-bending local bands and shows at venues all over San Francisco and the Bay Area. Subliminal SF is here to destroy your sense of normalcy and plant ideas in your skull to make you cooler and a more awesome person. Check out all the badass products at subliminalsf.myshopify.com. That's subliminalsf.myshopify.com. And experience Subliminal SF. Welcome. Bender's Bar and Grill, located at 806 South Van Ness in the Mission District of San Francisco. Your favorite bar with awesome bartenders, rotating local art. Go ahead and take me down, swallow me. 